Today we are looking in the book of Ephesians chapter number 5. The book of Ephesians, we're looking at verse no, uh, chapter number 5 and we're going to begin reading with verse number 25. The Apostle Paul writes and he says, Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. Paul said that Christ loved the church, he loved the church, and he gave himself for her. The title of my message today is, If You Love Your Church. If you love your church. Father, I thank you today that, that you love the church enough that you sent your son. Jesus, you love the church so much that you came and you gave your life for the church. God, I pray that we will love your church like you love your church. God, I just pray that your anointing will be upon us today. Lord, let the anointing break any bondage or hindrance today. Father, give us liberty today, all for the glory of God, we ask in Jesus' name. All of God's people said, praise the Lord. Lord. You may be reseated this morning. Now, the Bible says that Jesus loved the church enough to die for it. The question I have this morning is, how much do you love your church? Jesus loved the church enough that that he died for it. He gave his life for it. How much do you? Love the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, I I think it's easy for us to take our church for granted. No no matter how good something is, if we are not intentional about it, we will begin to take that thing for granted. Doesn't matter what we're talking about. We could be talking about our marriage. And no matter how great our marriage is, if we're not careful, we could begin to take our marriage for granted. Maybe it's our job. Maybe Maybe it's our salary. Maybe it's our family. Same thing is true with the church. Let me tell you this morning that if your church is growing, if your church has a vision for the future, if your church is healthy and stable and and unified, let me tell you that, that it's the exception and not the norm. And so if you truly love your church, you will do everything in your power to keep it healthy and keep it stable and keep it unified. If you love your church, it will show up in your actions. 1 John chapter 3, verse 18 and 19 tells us, let's not merely say that we love each other. Let us show that we belong to the truth by our actions. It goes on to say our actions will show that we belong to the truth. Somebody said action speaks louder than words. So let me quickly this morning give you five things that I believe you ought to be doing, five things that you will be doing if you love your church. Number one this morning, if you love your church, number one, pray for it. Now that ought to go without saying this morning, but but if you love your church, pray for it. Let me tell you something that I believe with all of my heart this morning. People who criticize the church seldom pray for it. And people who pray for the church seldom criticize it. 
Let me give you two things that you need to pray for in the church. First of all, you need to pray for its leadership. Pray for the leadership of the church. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1 and 2, I urge you to pray for all people. What did the Bible say we're to do? Pray for all people. It goes on to say, ask God to help them. It says, intercede on their behalf and give thanks for them. And then it says, pray for all who are in authority. Listen, if you want the pastor, if you want the staff, if you want the deacons to make good decisions for the church, pray for them. Pray for them. Ask God to give them wisdom. Ask God to give them knowledge. Ask God to give them insight. Pray for the leadership of the church. Ask God to open His Word to your pastor and give him a fresh message from the Lord. Ask the Lord to speak to him and give him something to open his mouth and declare, Thus saith the Word of the Lord. Ask God to direct your worship pastor to to the worship that will get the church prepared to hear the Word. Listen, worship... Worship is is to get us into the presence of God. Worship is to get our hearts prepared that we may be ready to listen and hear when the man of God opens his mouth and tells us what God wants us to hear. While you're praying for the leadership of the church, oh, ask God to make errands and hers out of the deacons so they will hold up the anointed hands of the pastor so that the church can continually enjoy victory and perpetual blessings. Remember the story when when the Israelites were in trouble and and Moses goes up on the mountain and he takes the rod of God in his hand and the Bible says that as long as Moses, the man of God, the leader of the people of Israel, as long as his arms were extended toward the battle, the Bible said that the Israelites prevailed. But when he got weary and tired and he let down his hands and he let down the rod, the Amalekites began to prevail. So what happened? Aaron and her, one got on one side and one got on the other. The first deacons, I believe, and they held up the hands of the men of God. They realized that God's blessing came through the men of God. And they realized their pro- that their job was not to take his place, but their, their job was to hold up his hands and help him. If you love your church, you'll pray for the leadership. Second thing that you should pray for in regards to the church is pray for laborers. Pray for laborers. Luke chapter 10 and verse 2. Jesus said the harvest is great. Jesus said, hey, there's no problem with the harvest. There's no problem, Jesus said, with the harvest. The harvest is great, Jesus said. Let me tell you, the harvest is unlimited. But he went on to say, but the laborers. The harvest is great, Jesus said, but the laborers are few. What are we going to do about it? Jesus said, pray to the Lord of the harvest that he would send more laborers into his harvest. When you pray for your church, ask God to raise up more laborers. Ask God to send and raise up more workers. You see, the truth of the matter is, I hate to tell you, but it is the truth. 20% of the people give 80% of the money and 20% of the people do 80% of the work. Let me ask you this morning, what could our church do for the kingdom of God if that changed around here? That is the Pareto principle, and it is true across the board, but it doesn't have to be true here. What if everybody tithed? 
Pastor, everybody don't tithe? <laughs> what if everybody tithed? What if everybody gave to missions? Pastor, pastor, didn't everybody take one of these faith promises? Pastor, what, 80, 90, 95%? No! How I wish. What can we do for the kingdom of God if everybody tithed, if everybody gave offerings, if everybody gave to missions? Amen. What if everybody was involved in some kind of ministry? If you love your church, pray for it. Pray for its leadership. Pray for laborers. And hey, while you're praying for laborers, volunteer to be a laborer. Amen. If you love your church, pray for it. If you love your church, protect it. Protect it. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 2 and 3, be patient with each other. Making allowances for one another, for everyone's faults because of your love. And make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. But you notice two words here. The word effort and the word keep. The word effort and the word keep. Paul said make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with with peace. Paul said to keep unity will require some effort. Amen. Let me just say this this morning. If you like what's going on in your church, if you like the unity, if you like the sweet spirit, if you like the healthiness of your church, let me tell you, it will take some effort in order to keep it. I've got some good news and I've got some bad news for you today. The good news is, God uses people. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that incredible? That the almighty God could use me. That's awesome. God uses people. The bad news So does the devil. So does the devil. You see, you see, when God wants to speak, he uses somebody's mouth. When I'm speaking to you this morning, it's not Mike Benson that's speaking to you. Oh, oh, God doesn't take, you know, who I am away from it. But when I'm speaking to you today, I am the representative of God. God is speaking to you. God wants somebody to get a message today. And the message that you're going to get today, amen, is going to come through his servant. So when God wants to speak, he uses somebody's mouth. When God wants to touch, he uses somebody's hands. And when God wants to give... He uses somebody's resources. Because God uses people. But the truth of the matter is the same is true of the devil. John 10 and 10 says that the thief or, or Satan comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. This is the mission statement of the devil. To steal, to kill, and to destroy. That's his mission. And he targets individuals and he also targets churches. Let me tell you that if Satan is unsuccessful in making the church explode, he will try to defeat it by making it implode. 
You see, Satan is the master of division. He's the master of division. He uses all types of things. He uses the style of, of music. What does the style of music have anything to do about winning people to God and worshiping Jesus? But he uses the style of music or he uses traditional versus contemporary methods. Or he uses power struggles as people jockey for position in the church. Or he uses personal preference. Oh, that's a big one. Just personal preference. And we all have them. We have it in color. We have it in the sound. We have it in the volume. We have it in the style. Look around. Everybody's dressed. We all have personal preference. One's not better than the other, and one's not right and one wrong. It's just personal preference. He uses generational differences. Generational differences. As each new generation thinks their way of doing things is far superior than the previous generation. It's just a matter of fact. And the previous generation gets all offended when the next generation rejects the way they did things. We don't do church today like our parents did church. But our parents didn't do church like their parents did. And our kids are not doing church today like we are doing it. And the devil loves to use generational differences as each new generation thinks that their way of doing things is far superior than the previous generations and the previous generations are all offended because the next generation rejects the way they did it. Let me just tell some of us, just remember though, how we, you know, when we got control, how we, the changes we made. The truth of the matter is people See the church from different perspectives. Depending on your age and depending on your past and many other contributing factors. That's why Paul said in Ephesians 4 verse 2 and 3 that we must be patient with each other. And that we must make allowances for one another. And why he said that to protect and preserve unity is going to require some effort. Remember, just as God uses and works through people, so does Satan. So don't allow the devil to speak through you. And don't allow the devil to work his evil deeds through your hands. If you love your church, protect it. Protect it. Protect the church's reputation. Never talk publicly about family business or family problems. We're a family. The church is a family. Don't air out the family laundry. Now the good news is our laundry is pretty clean. It's pretty white around here. Things are good. But if they weren't, or if there's something about New Bethel that you don't like, don't go public with it. Don't invite people outside the family. 
Don't soil the reputation of your church. Don't lead people to believe that your dissatisfaction is the feeling of the majority. I can't tell you how many times people have told me in the last 40 years, the people are saying, what people? The people are saying, and when it gets down to it, there's two or three people. Please, please hear my heart today. My concern is for the health and well-being of this church. I kind of like what's going on around here. I, I kind of like the unity that, that, that we've enjoyed for the last 10 years. I'd kind of like to enjoy it for another 10. But if we're going to enjoy the unity that we have, uh, it's going to take some work. It's going to take some effort. It's going to take some patience on all of our parts. Pastor, what's going on? <laughs> Nothing that I know of. I just want to keep it that way. I don't wait till something breaks and try and fix it. I believe in preventive maintenance. My concern is for the health and the well-being of this church. My concern is for lost people who will remain lost if the church develops inward problems. Think about this this morning. Don't make it harder for people to get saved because of your negative attitude towards the church. You see, the world is already skeptical about the church. The world already has problems with us. Don't add fuel to their fire. Don't make it even harder for for sinners to get saved because they can't get past the church. Don't allow the devil to use your mouth and speak through you. Don't allow him to use your hands. Don't let him use your life. And while I'm here this morning, I'm already here. I might as well get in all the way. Don't don't, don't make it harder on your own kids to love the church. Listen, if you want your kids to grow up loving Jesus, if you want your kids to grow up loving the church, don't sabotage that. By airing your frustrations and your disappointments and disagreements about the church and its leadership in front of your kids. Listen, you cannot criticize the church and its leaders in front of your kids and then expect your kids to grow up loving the church. I believe that one of the many reasons, but one of the reasons why we lose so many young adults to the church and they never come back to the church is because they grow up hearing their parents constantly criticize the church and its leaders. And then the, the people don't understand what happened to my kids. If you love your church, you will protect your church. If you love your kids, you will protect them as well by shielding them from gossip and criticism about the church. I grew up in the parsonage. I grew up in the pastor's home. But my mom and my dad, even though there were times the church put them through hell, I never knew it. Some of the people I thought were my dad's best friends, I found out they knifed my dad in the back on a regular basis. My dad never said that. He never talked bad about the church. He, never, he wanted me to grow up loving the church. He wanted me to grow up loving Jesus. 
Only later when I became a pastor myself and we would sit down and have heart-to-heart talks and I would talk to my dad about previous places and I would bring somebody up and my dad would say, well, son. <laughs> no, that, that's not the way it was. Nobody has more influence on our kids than, than the parents. Amen. My subject today is if you love your church. Do you love your church? Amen. If you love your church, promote it. Amen. Promote it. Colossians chapter 1 verse 3 through 6. Paul writes again. And Paul says, we always pray for you and we give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. For we have, we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus. We have what? We have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and your love for all of God's people, which come, from, uh, which come from your confident hope of what God has reserved for you in heaven. You have had this expectation ever since you first heard the truth of the good news. This same good news that came to you is going out all over the world. It is bearing fruit everywhere by changing lives, just as it changed your lives from the day you first heard and understood the truth about God's wonderful grace. No doubt there was an excitement and an enthusiasm in the early church. The message of Jesus was good news. The early church, the early Christians, they were going everywhere. They were telling everyone they knew. How they were telling everyone that they would meet about their newfound faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. There was an excitement, there was an energy, there was an enthusiasm in the early church. There was such an excitement and such a zeal for what was happening in the early church that Acts chapter 17 and verse 6 describes it this way. It says, they have turned the world upside down. Let me remind you this morning, word of mouth is still the best form of advertisement. Billboards are great, commercials are great, but word of mouth is still the best form of advertisement. For most of us, for most of us, our doctor, our dentist, our hairdresser, our mechanic, these are people that somebody recommended to us. I hadn't been here but a few weeks and I got a toothache and I asked Brother Johnny, where's a good dentist? And he told me where his dentist was. I went to his dentist. Ten years later, he's still my dentist. Why? Because somebody that I knew and somebody that I respected and somebody that I trusted promoted him. Let me ask you this morning, when is the last time that you recommended your church to somebody? If you love your church, you will promote it. You see, the truth of the matter is you talk about what you are excited about. I don't even have to know you, but if I can spend 10 minutes with you or 15 minutes with you, I can discover what you're excited about. I can can discover what is priority in your life just by what you talk about. Because because we talk about what we are excited about. Hey, you you will not talk to me very long before the conversation gets turned towards one of four things. We'll either talk about golf. Or we'll talk about missions. Or we'll talk about the grace place. And I'll even show it to you, the picture of it on my phone. I've showed perfect strangers. This is what I'm building right now. This is the church I'm building. 
You won't talk to me very long, but what one of four uh, topics will come up. We'll either talk about golf, we'll talk about missions, we'll talk about the new building, or we'll talk about my grandkids. Probably going to talk about my grandkids above everything else. Hey, speaking about grandkids, glad you brought that up. My youngest granddaughter, Eliana, we call her affectionately Bug. She's doing something incredibly cute right now. She's 19 months old, and she's just doing something just so, so cute right now. And there's just nobody like my granddaughter, you know what I'm saying? Her daddy, my son in love, Sean, has her convinced that she has magical powers. He's got her convinced she's magic. She thinks that she can turn the lights on and off simply by raising her hands. She'll raise her hand and pull it back down and make a noise. (laughs) And if the light is on, it'll go off. If the light is off, it'll go on. Now, my son-in-love, of course, is actually flipping the light switch on and off behind his back where she can't see what he's doing. But she is totally convinced that she is magic, that she herself can turn the light on or turn the light off. I just happen to have a video to show you this morning. about, you talk about what you're excited about. Who wouldn't be excited about that, huh? Come on. How many understand excitement is, is contagious? It's contagious. If you love your church, promote it. Talk about it. Tell people about it. Number four, if you love your church, wow, I'm running out of time. Take pride in it. Take pride in it. Now, you and I, we understand that this building is not the church. This is not the church. We. We are the church. But the world doesn't understand that. The world doesn't understand that. When the world thinks of the church, they think about the building. So since the world or since sinners think of the church as a building, then we should be taking pride in our building so that we present something appealing to the world. If our building is run down, if our building is outdated, if our building is unappealing, why would a sinner want to come? They will think these Christians must not be too excited, must not be too motivated about their church. Why, they don't even care enough to mow the grass. They don't even care enough to pull the weeds. They don't even care enough to fix the roof. If you love your church, take pride in it. Help maintain it. Clean up after yourself or after your group when you are finished having a function. If your kids or you spill something, clean it up. Your mama don't go to church here. 
If she does, it's not her job. And it's not the janitor's job. You spill something, clean it up. Report anything that you see that's broken. I'm sure they know about it. I don't go into every room every week and look at everything. If you, is there something broken, report Report anything that you see that's broken. Volunteer to repair what is broken if you have the expertise. Now, this may not sound too spiritual right now, but listen, if people will not come to our church because we don't take pride in our building, then it's very spiritual. All right, we'll move on. That went over really, really good. Let's talk about one more thing this morning. If you love your church, prove it. If you love your church, prove it. Matthew 7 and 20, Jesus said, Just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you can identify people by their actions. Let me suggest two ways that you prove your love for your church. Number one, you prove it with your faithfulness. Let me understand an alternate way to spell love is T-I-M-E. You see, the truth of the matter is we do what we really want to do. We do what we really... Well, Pastor, I don't have time. Yes, you do, if it's priority. We have time to do what we really want to do. We have time for what we really want to have time for. And what we do with our free time proves what our priorities are. I'm going to play golf. Now, I may have to be down here at midnight to do my work. I might have to get up two hours early. I, it's not, not many times I beat the staff by a couple of hours before they get. I'm not bragging. I'm just telling you, I'm going to do what I have to do to get my job done. I'm going to do my job, but I'm also going to play some golf. Because we have time for what we really want to have time for. And what we do with our free time proves what our priorities are. If you love your church, you will prove it with your faithfulness. You will prove it by making time for your church. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 25 says, Do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Or in other words, don't stop coming to church. And this increases in importance, Hebrews tells us, the closer you get to the coming of the Lord. So if you love your church this morning, prove it. Prove it with your faithfulness. Number two, prove it with your finances. You knew we were getting there, didn't you? How many say, how many say, I knew you were getting there, Pastor? I have to. I have to. Because you see, not only can, can you discover the priority of a person by what they do with their time, but also in how they spend their money. Jesus said, we use this scripture many times, but I'm going to give it to you again. Excuse me. Jesus said in Matthew 6 and 21, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Or in other words, Jesus said you spend your money on what you love. You spend your money on what is top priority in your life. Your priorities are easily detected by what you spend your money on. And what is most important to you. Talking about grandkids, my wife must be the greatest grandma in the whole world. She loves her granddaughters. Wow, she loves her granddaughters. She loves spending time with them, and she loves spending money on them. They never come to our house 
without getting a gift. I mean, it doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be their birthday. It doesn't have to be blah, blah. I mean, if they're coming, they get a gift. It may be a little gift, maybe a big gift. They're getting a gift from Grandma. A few months ago, Chad said, Dad, I want to baptize the girls. Would you like to be a part of it? I said, oh, yeah, of course I would like to be a part of it. I said, well, I said, if, you'll, if, you'll, if you'll shorten your service and I'll lengthen mine, you can beat it out the back door, you know, at your church and be over here in, in time and we'll, we'll baptize Bridie and Addie last, the last thing. And, and you'll be, me and you will do it together. Oh, that's awesome. It's incredible. So we're running out the back door. My wife goes to me and says, don't forget the baptism gifts. I said, the what? <laughs> Don't forget the baptism gifts. I got the baptism gifts. They're in your office. Don't forget the baptism gifts. Oh, yeah, everybody gets baptism gifts, right? <laughs> well, they're her, her grandkid, they do. So I got the baptism gifts. One day, Riley and Addie at our house, and they're going to spend the night with us and the next day with us. And Addie, she's sitting on my lap, and and she's got her arms around me, and she says, Popo? I said, yeah. She said, you know, we've been here an hour already, and Grandma hadn't given us anything yet. <laughs> I said, no. A whole hour? We better go talk to Grandma. Of course, Grandma had a gift for him. She hadn't had given it to him yet. It's not hard to... Find out what your priority is. Huh? Amen. If you love your church, prove it. Pr- prove it with your finances. Let me challenge you this morning. Let me challenge you. Let me get the worship team back up this morning. I'm out of time. and Let me challenge you this morning. Let me just challenge you. Go over your bank statement. Go over your debit and credit card receipts. Look over your budget. What keeps coming up over and over and over? What are you spending your money on? Is it Starbucks? Is it restaurants? Is it retail stores? Is it entertainment? Is it hobbies? Let me ask you this. How often does your church come up? What will you say to God on Judgment Day when when He pulls up your record on all the money that He put in your hands? And he gave to you to manage. What, what, what are you going to say to God? Pastor, are you trying to guilt us into giving to the church? No. I'm just trying to do my job. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. I'm just trying to do my job. And my job is to inform you. And my job is to teach you. What you do with what I teach you between you and God. I can't make you. I can't force you. I won't even call you into account between you and God. But it is my job to inform you. It is my job to teach you. It is my job to challenge you. Romans 14 and 10 says, We will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Verse 12 says, Yes, each one of us will give a personal account to God. A what? Each of us will give a personal account to God. When we stand before Jesus at the judgment seat, I believe that He's going to ask us one question. And the question that He's going to ask us is, what did you do with what I gave you? 
We're going to be rewarded or we're going to watch our rewards be burned up by fire. Depending upon what we did or what we did not do with the time, the talent, and the treasure that God gave us to manage on planet Earth. I want you blessed. Stand with me this morning. My subject today has been if you love your church. Jesus loved the church so much he was willing to die for it. Jesus loved the church enough to die for the church. How much do you love your church? Let me ask you this this morning. What do, what do your actions reveal about the priority or lack of priority that you place on your church? Let me ask you one final question this morning. If, if you were arrested... If you were arrested and the charge was that you loved your church, would there be enough evidence to convict you? Father, I thank you today. Father, I thank you that you love the church so much that you gave your one and your only son to die for the church. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you were willing, you were willing to give your life your very life for the church. God, I pray you'll forgive us today if we have taken your church for granted. Forgive us, Father, if we've made your church a stumbling block to sinners. They stumble over the church and our treatment of the church and what we say about the church and how we air our family problems and family struggles to the world and they can't get beyond us to get to you God I just pray today that you will help us to hear this word today become a doer of your word and not only a hearer in Jesus name Amen can we sing it's our pastor John all I have of worth I break it at your feet, Lord It's less than you deserve You're far more beautiful More precious than the oil Some of my desires And the fullness of my joy And like you spilled your blood I spilled my Thank you so much for being here. 
Uh, don't forget, if you're a guest, to turn in your connection card at our Welcome Center. Everybody have a wonderful afternoon and a great week.